here, and we know that you're here, but God, I pray a special prayer that you would open our hearts and our minds to be able to see the reality and feel your presence this morning. We pray for a fresh word. We pray for a transforming word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to do something slightly different than I've been doing for the last eight sermons or seven sermons on the Ten Commandments. This morning, you will notice that there is no PowerPoint behind me. Is it because I was um, I procrastinated this week, perhaps? Is it because I ran out of time, perhaps? Or maybe this morning I wanted us to do something a little different because I wanted you to open up your Bibles just for fun. Because we are at church, and at church it's always okay to open our Bibles. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to the book of Exodus chapter 20. That's the second book in the Bible. If you've never opened the Bible before, there's a red one, or we invite you just to kind of listen um, as, we, as we go through this. How, how is my sound? Do I sound echoey? Does it sound weird? Everything sounds, okay, it sounds weird in my, in my ears, but it doesn't mean that it is. By the way, as you're looking for it, I was reminded to remind everybody that after church, if you want to walk down the walkway, when you walk out of the church, you go to the left, you make a second left, you walk through the layer of, the, of Jonah's whale, the hallway, the painted hallway, and you're going to come out in the patio. In the patio, there's going to be, from what I understand, a cake. Not a Costco cake, not an Albertans cake, but there's going to be a cake made at a special cake shop, and, um, and we're going to be having a cake to celebrate with my beautiful wife, her birthday. Uh, she turned 31 this year. And so we, we just want to make sure that, that, that she's back there. Then, and they told me they would not cut the cake until she was back there. And I have to be there, so let's chat back there. So as soon as service is over, we're going to just run out. We're all going to hang out in the patio, eat um, fat-free cake, calories, don't count on the Sabbath, and so just enjoy it, okay? So let's get on with the teaching. Yeah, clap for no calories on Sabbath. All right. This morning, we are coming to the near to the end of our Ten Commandments series, the Ninth Commandment. How many of you know the Ninth Commandment? You shall not... You shall not lie. Everybody knows that lying is bad, right? Or everybody should know that lying is a bad thing. Nobody likes to be lied to. Even a liar likes to be told the truth, right? But the problem is we lie all of the time. For instance, when my wife asks me, did you know they were going to do this up front? I'm going to say, no. And I really didn't know about the cake. <laughs> but the truth is, we lie all of the time. Do I look like I've put on a couple of pants? Do, I, do these pants make me... I think Kim is getting tired of... You don't look fat. I, you're so skinny, I can't even see you. Where'd you go? But the truth is, we lie all of the time. If you're buying somebody a gift and you don't want to tell them, and you want to kind of, you know, give them, you know, send them, send them on the wrong scent. You tell them you're, you're, you might buy them this or that. Or when it comes to surprise parties, you're always saying, no, no, I'm not going to plan anything. I mean, we lie all of the time. And so why would God then say, like, hey, you shall not lie because it's so hard to do? The truth is this, that the ninth commandment really is not a commandment not to lie. And I did this all for fun because we like to have fun at church, okay? It's okay to laugh when we're at church. The truth is that if we look at the words of the ninth commandment, even in the English, the ninth commandment, if you have your Bibles, 
says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What I want you guys to understand is that the ninth commandment isn't just a commandment from God not to lie, but it's actually using legal language, okay? What the tenth commandment is doing, as it says, it's kind of giving you a recipe for when you go to court, what you shouldn't do. And the basis for this is do not bear false witness. So let me give you a quick rundown. Um, during this time that the Bible was written or when Moses was writing this, if you went to court, and let's say I was accusing someone of doing something, my accusation isn't enough. My evidence would be that I would bring another person along with me. It had to be a male, unfortunately, but it would have to be two men accusing someone of doing this crime. Now, if two people said that you did it, you did it. That was it. You would be convicted, you would found to be guilty, and that was it. That's how things, that's how things would happen. Now, imagine this. Imagine that I have a problem with somebody, and I don't particularly like them because maybe they said this or they did that, but they didn't really break any of the laws. But I said to myself, you know what? I know how to get back at this guy. I am going to get my friend Adam... And we are going to conspire against this person because, you know, we really don't like him. He's been kind of a jerk our whole lives. Let's accuse him of something and make him pay for being the way that he is. So let's say that the two of us were to go and we go before the judge and we say, judge, this person did this. The judge would, have to, would be inclined to believe us. Because after all, there's two witnesses that say that that person has done something. What Jesus, or rather what God is doing through the Ten Commandments, is he is trying to keep a level of stability in their society. What he's saying is you can't just go around saying what you want about people. You can't just go around accusing people of, um, of doing something that perhaps they didn't do. You can't do that. Now, for us, it's like, well, duh. God, why would you, why would you even have to put this as one of the Ten Commandments? This is one of the most basic of all basic realities of human life that you just don't tell lies about other people. Because we don't do that these days, right? Because we don't do that these days, right? It's a joke. And especially not in the church. I would say it this way, or rather the commentary would say it this way, false evidence not only hindered the administration of justice in a particular case, but it also undermined public confidence and the integrity of the judicial system and thereby, listen to this, jeopardizing the very stability of society. Telling the truth makes everything better. I would say it this way, telling the truth, even when it's going to be painful, is better than having to keep the truth from someone. If a witness was found to be lying, though, if the judge or whoever decided, oh, they're lying, they're not telling the truth, then the judgment that would be reserved for the person they're accusing would then be reversed and it would be on the one who accuses. So you begin to see that this commandment, what it was actually doing was it was making people think twice about accusing someone of doing something. Wouldn't you love if there was just something in, your, in us that would make us think twice before saying something about someone else? Would life be better that way? Are we awake? Are we awake? <laughs> I think we do need PowerPoint slides. <laughs> the system served the purpose of not allowing individuals to accuse others of things that may not be true. Listen to this. This is my writing. Just because several people say something is true doesn't necessarily make it true. 
So I would ask this question, do you know what else shapes someone's, per, someone's, do you know what else shapes one person's view of another? Do you know what that word is called? There's a word for that. Gossip. Gossip. Gossip shapes how people see other people. The stories that we tell about people shapes how we see other people. How many of you have ever um, had a friend or someone and they tell you all these things about this person that you've never met? And how many of you have ever finally met that person and started talking to them, but you have, you're kind of a little bit reserved because you've heard stories about that person? Has that ever happened to anybody? And then you form a judgment on that person? And so what ends up happening is instead of, of allowing that person to just be themselves, we, we put our walls up around them because we don't want to be hurt or we don't want to be betrayed by that person. But then what you realize is that that person wasn't like that at all. Has that ever happened to any of you? Isn't it the worst feeling when you're like just so judgmental towards a person and then you realize that they are some of the best and most loving people? But the truth is, is that gossip happens everywhere. Our society is full is full with gossip. If you just go to the grocery store and you stand as you're waiting in the checkout line, right? There's magazines that line the checkout stand. And those magazines usually are Us Weekly or Time Magazine or even online, you know, TMZ or on the television show. And I have to admit, sometimes the, the titles that they have on those magazines, I'm kind of like, whoa, I, I want to know why Brad and Angelina, or I mean, and Jennifer broke up. Did, they, did he really cheat on her? Like, sometimes I want to know. It's gossip. It has absolutely nothing to do with us, and yet we like to know. Reality TV shows. People love reality TV shows for some reason because somehow we, we want to know what's happening with the Kardashians that week. It's all around us, and it's kind of exciting sometimes. Gossip is not just in the media, but it's, it's everywhere. It's in all of us. How many of you have ever come home or talked to a friend and you're just like, you'll never believe what I just heard. You're never going to guess. And, what, and, we, and we lean in like, I want to know, tell me. We do it. And it's wrong. It's, it's not good. Especially, and we think like, well, what's so wrong with gossiping if the person that we're talking about isn't even there? They'll never know, right? But the truth is, is that gossiping can be very detrimental to, the, to not only our Christian faith, but how we treat other people. You know, we, um, we like to, as, as Christians, and maybe not necessarily the Seventh-day Adventist Church, because we keep kind of quiet on a lot of the issues that go around, like, you know, homosexuality, abortion, all that. We, we really don't say anything about those things. And I'm kind of thankful because, um, because people don't see, at least our church in particular, um, when we have come in contact with, with, with people who are homosexual, um, they said, we were really afraid to be around you guys because we thought you were going to be very judgmental. And I said, no, we just, we just want to show you love because that's what God is calling us to do. And so what happens is I'm glad and I'm thankful for our church that although we hold a stance and everybody holds their own stance about these things, that what our primary focus is loving others. But we talk about all of these things, and I'm saying this for a reason, we talk about all of these major issues that are in the media, right? politics right now is all about all of these major issues and where does each candidate stand on each of these issues and based on that we'll vote for them, all of that stuff. But what we don't talk about, I think, are the things that are even more detrimental to our society. So I want you to open your Bibles to Romans, to Romans chapter 1. And you're going to, this is going to make, what I just said right now is going to make a lot of sense. Romans chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. 
Okay, remember, we, Christianity likes to talk about all of these things and make judgments about all of these things. But what I'm saying is that there is something built into the ninth commandment that can be more detrimental to our society. And here it is, verse 28. So this is God talking about people who didn't want to, want to worship God or didn't want anything to do with God. And since they did not see fit according... Wait, and since they did not see f- fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and to things that should not be done. Now, we're thinking, okay, this is for the people that don't believe in God, but let's see if you, if you, you don't have to raise your hand, but see if you qualify under any of these. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, so you want things you don't have, malice, just being unkind to people, full of envy, you're jealous of other people, murder, and remember, murder isn't just about taking somebody's life, but it's about degrading somebody. It is about murdering somebody, but it's about taking away life or dehumanizing them. Strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents, because none of us have ever been rebellious towards our parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, yet they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. I want to just stop there for a moment. All of these things go back to what? A debased mind. Now, I know I started off by saying that these are people who have not acknowledged God, but if you're honest with yourself, you can probably pick a couple of these things in here that you're probably guilty of, right? Amen? So you see, this is not talking about people who are not believers. This is talking about every single individual. As Christians, we shouldn't do any of these because we are believers and God has been graceful towards us, and yet somehow we find ourselves doing some of the very things that come with what you would call a debased mind. And the idea behind that is God has said, okay, you think you're right, you think you know better, fine, have it your way. How many of us who are parents, um, our kids want to do things a certain way, and you know it's not the right way. You know they're either going to end up getting hurt or they're going to break something or something's going to happen. But they are relentless, and so we're like, okay, go. Ride your bike without a helmet across a busy intersection. No, I, I would never let our kids do that. But the truth is sometimes we just, okay, fine, fine, find out for yourself, knowing full well what's going to happen. And I have a a sense that this is what God does to us sometimes. We cast all sorts of judgment on all sorts of the other things that are far away from us, and yet what the Bible tells us is that we are very guilty of the things that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We are guilty of the things that provide stability for our society and even, I would say, in our church sometimes. I focus on gossip because we all do it. At least 99% of us do it. We do it because it's easy. It's an easy way to have a conversation about things, and yet what the Bible shows us and what the Bible writers tell us is that we're all guilty of it. And by doing so, and coming back to the ninth commandment, it jeopardizes the stability, not only of society, but also of our churches. So the next time that somebody has the inclination and the need to talk about someone in such a way, I would encourage all of you to do the following. Say three positive things about that person. And I guarantee you it will change the conversation you're about to have. Am I guilty of gossiping? I'm sure I am. (laughs) That's not committal, right? And we try, and we try not to. The problem with being a gossip 
is that gossip helps us to focus on the negative things of a person and not the positive things of a person. If you have your Bibles, if you're quick and you want to open to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, verses 7 and 8. Proverbs 18, verse 7 says, The mouths of fools are their ruin, and their lips a snare to themselves. The words of a whisperer or a gossip are like delicious morsels, right? It's like, tastes good. I want to hear it. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So whenever somebody has a good story or a juicy story about someone or something, we want to hear it. We want to hear it because we're human and we're sinful and we want to hear it. But the truth is, and, and, and here in the Proverbs it says, it goes down like a delicious morsel. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with gossip. No one's ever going to know we're gossiping. You're right. People are not going to know that you're gossiping. Yet God, in the, in the ninth commandment, when he is giving the Israelites a nation with no rules, with no ways of interacting with each other, God gives to the Israelites in the ninth commandment, Do not bear false witness. In essence, don't gossip either. Because what you do is you take a person's right to interact with somebody because when you gossip about somebody, you don't want anything to do with them if it's bad gossip. The problem with gossip is this, is that with every piece of gossip, there comes a bit of judgment, right? There comes a bit of judgment. Like, can you believe that so-and-so said this? Can you believe that so-and-so did that? And what ends up happening is we cast judgment on them. And what does the Bible say about judgment? I want to read to you from Romans chapter 2. We're doing a Bible study this morning, by the way. Feel free to underline. Romans chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. What we begin to find is that when God gives these Ten Commandments, and I hope that you've come to kind of understand this as we've been going through these sermon series, is that for God, it wasn't just very simple one-line statements, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal. It was about so much more than just those words. What we find, and the reason that Jesus gets in trouble a couple of thousand years later, is that Jesus takes the very words that we're reading this morning in the Ten Commandments and other verses and he makes them more profound, and he makes them harder than they were. And people don't like it. People don't like their faith to be hard, right? Is, can Christianity and faith be hard sometimes? Say amen. Can losing weight be hard? But it's good, right? Eating healthy, is that hard? A lot of times. <laughs> sometimes a lot of times. I love to eat hamburgers, (laughs) you know, like fast food everywhere. It's hard to eat healthy. Is it hard to read your Bible every morning? I'll, I'll, I'll answer for you guys. Yes, it's hard to read our Bibles every morning. Is it hard to come to church every week? Yes. Yes, oh yeah, thank you. It's hard to come to church every week sometimes. A lot of the things that are good for us sometimes are hard. Having a life of faith and being a Christian is hard, but it doesn't mean that it's heavy. And there's a difference. And so when we come to the Bible and we read, well, this is too hard, and, and so we just brush over these passages and say, oh, whatever. The truth is, no, it's hard. There's no line from up here. It's not always easy. 
It's okay, though, because we have someone. The Bible says we have a comforter. We have a helper. The Bible says that we have a redeemer. The Bible says that where you are weak, that is where God's strength and his perfection comes in to help you. So it's okay if it's hard because you're not even the one doing the work. It's someone. It is the God who is within you that is doing the work. So really quick in Romans chapter 2, verses one, just verse 1. Listen to this. Remember I said, with gossip comes a bit of judgment. It says, therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. Is that word of God or what? Have you ever found that the people that make you the most upset are the people that are most like you? Have you ever found that the people that you're judging for doing this or that, you're doing the same thing? How many times have we seen this, unfortunately? And I pick on Christians because we're all Christians. And I pick on pastors because I'm a pastor and I'm allowed to. But how many times have you seen pastors and across our country always saying, like, this one particular sin is the most detestable, horrible thing in the world, and then they are caught of doing that one detestable, horrible sin? I would say it this way. Whenever, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like a magician, you know, divulging my secrets. Whenever a pastor preaches against one particular thing a lot, he's guilty of that. That's just the way it is. But not just preachers, every one of you too. The things that you are the most upset about, the things that you just, are dete- you just hate, are the very things that you're probably guilty of doing. When we come to the Ten Commandments, and the Ninth Commandment in particular, God knew what he was doing. God knew that when, with giving us these Ten Commandments, what he was actually doing is just giving you keys and ways by which to live your life. And if you do them well, you will be a part of, or, or you will kind of live into the heart of God, and God will help you, form you, and shape you. The Ten Commandments are powerless to save. They are powerless to assure you salvation. The Ten Commandments were given to you to be able to navigate life on this earth. And what we find is that so many times we, we get so caught up in, you know, and Christianity gets so caught up with, oh, the, the, the commandments in the Old Testament was nailed to the cross. No, it wasn't. Jesus referred to it. Now, if Jesus, I mean, Jesus wouldn't refer to something that wouldn't be important thousands of years later. The point is that we have placed the Ten Commandments on the wrong level. And the truth is that these are the ways by which we learn to live our lives in such a way that we will live with an abundant kind of life that God has called us to live. The ninth commandment, to not bear false witness, is about so much more than just a legal court case. But it is about the stability of a church and the stability of a society. That there is no place for gossip or telling lies about people because that is not the way that God wants society to work. And in one Bible translation, it would say, do not bear false witness. Or in Muslim, say, do not bear false witness against who? A neighbor. And if we remember, Jesus also had words, and he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Built in from the very beginning of the Bible until the very end of the Bible, Jesus reaffirms that you must be loving and kind. And remember this, the next time that you want to share a juicy piece of gossip, Remember, is this going to uplift someone or bring them down? The problem with gossip, and I'm ending with this one little bit of line, the problem with gossip 
is that instead of seeing the very best in a person, you only see the worst in them. Paul says that he has desired to know nothing among you, the church, but Christ and Christ crucified. Paul only wants to see the very best in you because the very best in you is Christ. And so the question that I want you to wrestle with and challenge you with this morning is, are you wanting to see the very best in a person or are you only wanting to see the worst in them? Do you want to see the kindness and the goodness and the love of a person or do you only want to see the bad because you want to be able to talk about that person? We all do. What would a church be like if we only saw the very best in a person? Might it then become a place where people could look and see and say, wow, I want to be a part of that. See, evangelism isn't about filling an auditorium and having charts with beasts. Real evangelism and good news is that we will not act like other people, but rather we will be a community of hope, of faith, and of unconditional love. And we will do it to the best of our ability, which means that it's done even behind closed doors. That's where gossip is done. I want to challenge you from now on, the next time you want to say a piece of gossip, and if you have to ask, is this gossip? It is gossip. I want you to just think, instead of saying that, I want to say a couple of nice things about this person and see how God works in your life and how God can continue to change this church and all of the people that you interact with. Will you pray with me? God, we, um, we don't like difficult teachings, Lord, because they require so much of us. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would take the, the gossip out of us. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would give us glasses to see the world in a way that you see it, full of love and of grace. Help us, Lord, to be conduits of your love. Help us, Lord, to say only the beautiful and the nice things about people. And, God, we pray that where we don't want to, that you would shape us and help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.